Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Whether you like to fish, enjoy talking about fishing, or just enjoy the fishing lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. So go grab yourself a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee, sit back, start tying up some fishing rigs, and enjoy the show. Well, hello folks, and welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope you're having a good day, whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to the show. If you're a regular listener, I appreciate you coming back and checking things out. Some of these podcasts, I actually do a video version of. There is not a video version of this one. This one is exclusively uh, on the podcast platforms that are out there, so this is the only place you can get it. But some of them I do a video version of. So uh, if you're interested in seeing instead of listening or you just want to play it, it's on YouTube is the bottom line. So on my YouTube channel, Dieter Melhorn Fishing on YouTube, uh, some of these there is a video version. So go check that out if that's something you're interested in. I know a lot of people just like listening to them, putting, them, putting in some earbuds while they're flying, uh, driving, or at work. I got one good friend out there who does drafting and design work which is what i went to school for uh and he listens while he's designing stuff so you know who you are enjoy this podcast this is a good one for you because it's a long one this is uh it's about an hour i've got an interview here with a guy named jesse o'neill he uh runs the carolina kayak catfish slayers tournament series and the reason i did this i'm not into kayak fishing but um What the kayak world is doing with tournaments is pretty dang cool. It's pretty amazing what they're doing, utilizing technology uh, in running these tournaments. And I was pretty much ignorant about all this stuff. So it was a great education for me uh, speaking with Jesse about this. And we talk in length about the kayak world, which I think is interesting. I, I did... A little bit of kayaking when I was young and um, it was the well the whitewater kayaks like you see in the Olympics or something and you paddled them and you put a helmet on and there was a little skirt that sealed off the kayak and if you fell over you either had to bail out or do an Eskimo roll but they're different now they're basically miniature boats and we're going to talk about that with Jesse just how advanced and complicated these things have become uh, and popular. Uh, over the past 10 years, I've seen these things evolve. Uh, I see them showing up everywhere. In the summertime, they're on the water all the time, and uh, they're very, very popular. We're going to talk about why they're popular, uh, what's changed with them, what's going on, and the biggest thing is that I think you guys, even if you have no desire whatsoever to go fish out of a kayak, what they're doing in the tournament world with technology, I love Uh, I think it's really good. I think the catfish tournament world, and if any of you folks from the ACA are listening, uh, you need to pay attention to this kind of stuff because this is what you guys need to be doing and spearheading and working to make happen moving forward because I think it's the future of tournament fishing. So let's get on with Jesse O'Neill from Carolina Kayak Catfish Slayers. All right, Jesse. Tell me how you got started fishing. That's always my opening question on this things. Everybody got into fishing a different way. Some people started out young. I've had some people who started out when they were much older. What's your background on starting out catching fish? 
uh starting counting out uh it definitely goes back to uh, the earliest memories i have in my childhood uh it's always something we've done on the weekends and stuff as a family throughout the years that i can remember i mean i'm pretty sure i started with my dad and them when i started walking and it just never died out as the years progressed i found out different ways and different styles to you know basically improve how i fish or how i catch fish but it was always those memories of uh sitting on the riverbank with my my mom and dad and them and you know fishing with my grandpa for walleye and crappy and stuff and that's pretty much where it started now where did you grow up at did you grow up in the south or another part of the country i did not i actually grew up in uh southeastern ohio uh right on the ohio river i think we were like 40 minutes from the ohio river and we had a lot of lakes and ponds and stuff around us where we grew up because it's all countryside you know like walmart and stuff that that was like that was like a whole day adventure if you wanted to go there um i moved down to the south when i was probably 19 years old and i had been fishing tournaments and stuff before that but um i moved down here and i just fell in love with it and this is where uh this is where i made my roots now what kind of tournaments were you fishing were you bass fishing catfish what were you into then when you were fishing tournaments uh, a little bit of both um, okay. i did some ba- i did some bass stuff uh it just it really wasn't my scene it you know it, it was fun when we did it but you know it was mostly the catfishing thing that that really draw me in and i've been doing it so many years and you know it was something we always did now what was it about catfish that kind of pulled you over from the uh ditch pickles as we call them <laughs> uh definitely the fight uh, the fight the the amount of patience and and just you know ditch pickles are fun don't get me wrong you know i don't want to offend nobody out there that, <laughs> that ditch pickle <laughs> fishes but uh you know, it was definitely always just that fight with a catfish. You know, you you think about, you know, a two or three pound channel cat, they fight so hard. And as I got older, you know, we always caught big flatheads and stuff fishing the Ohio River. Blues blues were kind of scattered. I didn't really get into a lot of blues until I started tournament catfishing and traveling around. Uh, but the flatheads and the channel bite, man, just something about that bite and what it took to get that bite and how hard they fought. You know, back then we were using Walmart special rods and stuff. And uh, it was just something about the fight that I just, I couldn't get away from. Now, when you were fishing bass tournaments, were you fishing out of a full-size boat or a kayak at that point? Um, At that point, I was still fishing out of a boat. Um, I was fishing out of a Hydrosport boat back then, um, 18-footer. We had kayaks and stuff, but they were a lot different than the ones that are out now. Uh, but the kayak fishing really wasn't like um, like a tournament focus then or like a targeting big fish. It was basically like a a way to get into some of the creeks and stuff that you always wanted to go into with a boat, but you couldn't get it up through there. So, um, yeah. So at it, that point, you were almost using a kayak as a tool to get to some water that you couldn't get to. When did you kind of make that jump to kayak being your platform? It's probably been about 10 years since I basically switched from uh, the boat to more kayak focused. Uh, it's been probably probably a little over 10 years now. Uh, you know, the boat was always there for, you know, big events. Like if you wanted to go out 
and fish these big money events and stuff, you always, you know, you kind of took the boat then because the kayak world was just starting to really show its face and it show its worth then. But the last, you know, 10 years, it, I pretty much make kayaking, you know, my number one go-to. I, I would much rather anymore just spend the time in a kayak than I would in a boat. Uh, boats are great for the weekends and stuff for me. Uh, if I want to go out and spend the time with, you know, a number of family, but most of my, my friends and family now, they all kayak fish. So. All right. What do you think it is that has led to the explosion? You said you've been into the kayak thing for about 10 years. You've seen the evolution take place. What do you think the catalyst was that made kayak fishing so popular? And this is in any, for any type of fish. I think it was the, a lot of it has to do with the, uh, uh, the price point for one, you know, you think, you think about the price point of boat, you got to put gas in a boat, you got to have batteries charged for a boat. You got, you got a lot of extra stuff that you end up doing on a boat that costs you a lot of money in the long run. And when you switch to a kayak, you can basically simplify that down so much. Uh, when I first started kayak fishing, this was before electron, you know, electronics on kayaks was a big thing. And, you know, basically the only gas you were putting in was the truck that was hauling you there or the truck that was picking you up. You know, there wasn't a, it wasn't filling the boat, charging batteries. It wasn't none of that. And I think that's kind of what led to the growth and the connection you get to the outdoors from a kayak is, is something else. I mean, you're, you know, most of the time you're in a kayak, you're, you know, right at water level. You get to go up creeks and canals that <clears throat> you might not venture up on a normal basis in a boat or something. You know, you, you think a boat, you got a wide open body of water to run. In a kayak, you, you, you know, you're pretty limited on your travel. Um, you know, and in the tournament side of things, I think a lot of it come down to you know, the budget, uh, if, if an angler was a budget angler, it was a lot easier to buy a, you know, $500,000 boat than it was to go out and spend 10, 20 grand on something that you're only going to use once in a while. And now, I think that this led to the experience, of the outdoors too. Explain this to people, because there's a lot of people that are kayak ignorant, like I am. Uh, and some of this has been explained to me because I've had some of these dumb questions and I'm going to ask them here. But most people have the image of a kayak, like when I would kayak when I was young. And it's a kayak with the skirt and the paddle. And, you know, you paddled the thing everywhere with a hand paddle. Things are, you can probably still do that on a fishing kayak, but explain to people how complicated kayaks get now, especially the ones for fishing, as far as getting around and what they've got on them. Oh, man, it, it, the industry has just changed so much. And as, as growth of anglers, and, you know, and that's one thing you know, I give the bass community is they see so much, they see so much change in that sport. And over the years, they've seen so much that kayaks have had to adapt. Uh, like my kayak I fish out of, personally, I pedal it. So instead of using a paddle to where I'm, you know, I'm trying to cast and reel at the same time and control the boat, I'm actually just pedaling it like a bicycle. And I can maintain my speed. I can, I don't have to, you know, my hands are basically free. Um and now, you know, the big thing now is trolling motors. You know, guys are running 
spot lock trolling motors. Um, I have a trolling motor set up for mine. I just don't have a battery on it yet. Uh, so the industry has changed so much. These kayaks are getting bigger and they're, they're more evolved for that fishing style angler. Um, you can still buy a paddle style kayak. There's still, there's plenty of paddle style options, you know, for any budget that you might have. But I mean, if you're looking to get into it serious, like there's pedal drives, there's electric motors, some of them drop them straight through the kayak. Um, you can mount them on the, you can bow mount them like you do on a boat. Uh, a lot of the new canoe guys that are out there, that's a paddle style kayak. They do have a drive system that you can pedal, but most of the guys that buy them, they buy them for the width and the sheer size of the kayak. So they're running bow mount uh, Minn Kotas and stuff right off the front of that kayak. And it, it's pretty wild. Like just, just to see the, the evolution of how kayaks have started. When I started, I think I was fishing out of a Walmart series kayak like a sun dolphin or something. And you would be so tired after paddling just a mile of trying to control a, you know, a 10 foot boat. And you got to think of the wind and you're dragging a piece of, you know, catfish bait or something. Or if you're bass fishing, you know, you're going to flip docks and you're going to work structure and stuff. And you're having to paddle a little bit, put the, put the paddle down, cast reel a couple times, grab the paddle with one hand, try to control the boat. But now with, with like the paddle, with the pedal style, you know, you're basically hands-free. The only thing you need your hand for is to steer. Um, you know, I have a rudder system. Most of uh, the pedal style have a rudder system that runs right off the back of the kayak. And you can, uh, with just a quick flip of your hand, you can basically reach down and can and correct yourself if you're, you know, getting too far one way or too far the other way or if you're trying to keep a state, uh, steady line. I had a company reach out to me a couple of years ago about trying to get me to do something in a kayak. And I'll be honest with you, I was really not comfortable with it. And just, it was going to be a whole, I could see it as being a whole shift. But one of the things I jokingly said to somebody was, my fat butt is way too top heavy to get into a kayak. And I had some people private message me and stuff was like, you, you'd be amazed on some of these kayaks how stable these platforms are. Uh, I mean, some guys are saying they can actually stand up in them. I mean, is that true? Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, uh, the, I, fish, I fish out of a native kayak, um, which is just a brand out of North Carolina. Um, I fish out of a native, and I can stand up. I can flip docks, or I can cast, or... If I'm snagged, I can stand up and put some leverage on a fish. Or if I'm trying to take a picture, I can stand up. And you would be surprised at some of these kayaks. Like I know, like Jackson Big Rig, uh, they're big guys. Like you know, we met, we joke with them all the time about looking like Sasquatches. And these guys are running. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are running trolling motors, and you know, have a full sonar set up on their new canoes and i mean i think the boat's like 40 some of them come like 41 to 45 inches wide like it's the that comes down to the involvement of kayaks you know mine's a little bit more narrower i do have to be cautious when i'm leaning one way or leaning the other if i get snagged sometimes especially if i'm running braided line you know just that steady pull leaning on one side you get too far one way it's possible you could turtle over you know and, and roll that kayak but some of them have just changed so much and have made that hull design so much different now to where they're 
a lot more stable on the water to where, yes, you still got to be cautious. Yes, you still kind of, you know, watch your weight, watch what you're what you're putting in the boat, but they can handle about anything. You just did you say 40 some inches wide? Yeah, there's uh some of the boats out there break that 40 inch wide mark. Wow, that is amazing. I think, I, I think the one I fished out of is like 34 from uh, Gunwall to Gunwall. That is crazy. That is crazy. Now, uh, obviously, these aren't $800 kayaks that you get at Walmart. What's what's no. the top end guy spending on outfitting one of these things? Because it, it sounds like. It's the price of a small boat. I'm just imagining in my head to get a really jacked up kayak. That's just the Mac daddy. What are you going to spend on all this stuff? It's crazy because it depends. You're embarrassed. You're embarrassed. (laughs) I I don't know about embarrassed. It's just like, yeah, there's boats out there you can purchase, but I mean, if you're really diehard in the sport, um, you know, like me being a, ki- a catfish guy, this is my primary source of secondary income. You know, kayak fishing is is pretty much all I do now. Uh, a little bit of bank fishing here and there, but it's pretty much all kayak fishing. I mean, you're looking retail price with no fish finder, no nothing. You know, you're looking to start around twenty three hundred bucks. And then if you're getting into like Hobie, which is a huge brand with the kayak guys because of how wide and how stable their boats are, like the PA 14 is 14 foot long. Um, and it's, wow. I, I want to say it's like right pretty close to like 40 inches. I'm not exact sure some of these boats measurements, but there's a picture from, from me and one of my teammates at Santee. He's laying on the front of the kayak. I'm sitting in the seat and the kayak's not even dipping in the water. And when you start getting in that PA, that Hobie, you're looking upwards of, 38 and if you want to outrig it i mean you got i mean obviously you know like the cost of like you know fish buying or stuff like that you know that stuff's not it's not something you you know if you want quality you're, you're gonna pay for it so i mean you're looking at most outfits probably being around that 6500 price range nowadays yeah um some upwards of that i know some guys that fish how to and like you talk to them and their setups like close to 10 grand I was gonna say I could see ten grand well within that. If you spend thirty five hundred on the boat itself, you add in another fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar trolling motor. You add in three thousand dollars, so you got your live scope. And I mean, let's face it, you've got to have lithium batteries if you're on a kayak because you don't want to power that with them big old heavy things. And I can see ten thousand dollars getting rung up pretty quickly. And um, you'd be surprised how, how many guys just over <laughs> the, it's like, you, you, you think about it on a small scale, you know, most kayak guys, they're, they're going to budget it out. You know, you're not going to buy it. It's the same with the big boats too. You know, you're going to budget things out. You're going to buy things here and there. And it's not till you step back and look, it's like, holy cow. It's like, I just, I just bought enough for a used pontoon. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how hard are these things to get around? Cause I, you know, you see, some guys that, you know, lift them off of their, the, you know, the roof rack on their car and they put them into the water, but it sounds like some of these bigger ones, how do you handle this? Now, how do you get them into the water? Is it, can you do it by yourself or do you need a, somebody else out there fishing with you to get all that stuff and make it happen? Some guys are running trailers now, which makes it super easy to do by yourself. Um, you know, you just back the trailer and you slide it right off, you know, um, jet ski trailers have been super popular in the kayak industry for the oh, okay. last couple yeah. of years. 
Yeah. So what what a lot of guys are doing is they're they you know they're buying up um, jet ski trailers. You find them for a couple hundred bucks here and there, and then you just basically put them together how how you can to cradle your kayak in there. Uh, me, I I run a trailer from time to time, but there's a lot of times I just slide it right, right in the back of my truck. And what I do is I back my back tires right to the edge of the water. Okay. Where my tailgate's like right there, if I can get to the water. Uh, and I just kind of slide it off into the water fully rigged. If I have to carry it or wheel it to a place, I really have to look at what I got to do. So, you know, I have to take certain stuff off that's super heavy, stuff that you don't want to get broke. You know, you take that stuff off and you basically are putting it back on when you're trying to get ready to launch. The trailers have come a long way. And you see a lot of guys nowadays, most of them are running trailers. Uh, It's never a bad idea to fish with a buddy just so you have that extra help if you need to. And, you know, that's a safety thing, too. You know, you're a small boat in a big lake. People don't really look for you too much. But, you know, it it's nice sometimes, like, when we fished uh, the end of January, the waves was so bad coming into Ebenezer on Lake Wiley. Like, there was no back in the truck and trying to load a, a kayak. So there was two of us fishing together. And what we ended up having to do was just try to manhandle <laughs> these boats that are, you know, at this point probably about 200 pounds with gear and, everything else into the either bed of a truck or trying to slide it up onto a trailer. And how were they with boat wake? Because I mean, I see guys out there on kayaks. I try to stay clear of them, but my boat puts off a pretty good rolling wake off of it. Do you guys, uh, everybody seems to handle those things pretty good. Even the amateur kayakers that I see up at the whitewater center seem to go through them pretty easy. Is it because they're low profile or what's the deal with that when it comes to boat wake boat boat wake is definitely hard to handle even the you know like i said i've been doing this for a long time and i've seen by every size wave come at me and you just have to get yourself adjusted just perfect like you you definitely don't want to be caught from the side you know but like and it comes back to the halt the evolution of kayaks like the hull design on a lot of these kayaks are so stable they kind of just roll with the waves now but you still have to have that sense of awareness that, hey, there's a boat coming. Am I too close to a dock? Do I need to turn and nose into the wake? And that's a lot of time what I try to do. If I see a boat coming and I'm not anchored or something and I'm just dragging or, you know, drifting baits, I will try to position my kayak to where it just takes that wave head on. Yeah. And it handles it a lot better. And, and I mean, the stability of the kayaks nowadays, especially the fishing style kayaks, has just come so far that, you know, they handle they handle a lot of those weekend situations, you know, perfectly. It's a a lot of stuff's evolved in the, it's funny how the kayak world has, I mean, it's rapidly evolved from what I've seen, just from watching it from the sidelines. And the biggest thing I think is what kayak fishermen have done in the tournament world, which is the, which is right there in what you're doing. How do catfish or how do catfish tournaments? I can see I can see a bass. You have a little live well. You put them in. How do catfish tournaments work in the kayak world? Walk us through that. I'm showing up with my Walmart kayak, and Deidre's going to fish a kayak catfish <laughs> tournament. How does it work? So, and it's the same with the kayak bass world now. So we have we have pretty much all platforms. We've pretty much gotten away with uh, transporting any kind of fish. One, it's just a big stress level on a fish, even on a bass that, you know, you if you catch a quality bass, you really don't want to stress that bass out. I'm a huge, you know, CPR guy. I want to put that fish back. I want to catch it, you know, a year down the road and that fish even be bigger than what it was. So what we've got into is 
like the trail series I run here in the Carolinas, we have uh, certain boards that you actually measure the length of the fish. So what you're doing is you have a, a bump board, that's what we call them, and it folds up inside your, you know, somewhere on your kayak. And mine goes all the way out to 60 inches. Some of them go out to 48. But you can lay that out and you're given an identifier for the event. You take a picture and there's a lot of apps and stuff now that fishing groups are doing. You can fish right on an app and it submits it to a judge. Uh, what we're doing is a live event. So basically, instead of having to worry about hauling the fish around, you're taking a picture of that fish on the bump board where you can see the whole fish laying on there with the identifier. And then you're bringing that picture into the judge. And so just so people about the fish. Yeah, just ahead. so people understand this, um, the identifier basically is something unique so that you can't catch that fish yesterday and take a picture of it on that same board. It identifies it to you in that day. Is that correct? Yes, sir. A hundred percent. So, you know, and I'll, I'll refer to, you know, how we do it for the group that I'm running. Uh, so the identifiers released, I, I tend to release them an hour or, or a half hour before the physical lines in, and it is unique to that day. So you won't have that, say, if you're camping on a lake, you won't have that identifier all night long to where you can go sit somewhere and take some pictures of a fish with some heavy lights on it to where it looks almost daylight and, you know, submit that fish the next day. The identifiers are um, are given to you. There's specific for that period of time that you're fishing and one great thing about the update of phones nowadays is if you turn your location on i can actually click on your picture and look at a geotag right on the pictures of your phone and i can tell where you caught that fish and what time of day you caught that fish just by that picture i love the technology how it comes into this and it makes things i'm oh, gonna say better so easy it, yeah it makes, it makes so it much easier yeah, it, it, it's very cool that y'all are on the cutting edge of this and doing it. Because I've said for a long time in the catfish world, the, the catfish tournament business model, if you will, that everybody uses in the boating world is antiquated. And I've been saying that for a decade now at least. And now with technology, it's so far behind. And that's why I'm so fascinated by what you guys do with doing this. Now, do you have a... As far as a, is it a fish limit? Are you weighing it? Are you, you know, entering like two fish, three fish, 50 fish? How does that part of it work? So with the small scale tournaments I run, we're, we're basically running three fish. So you have a three fish creel limit and it's your biggest three fish. It's your best three fish. We'll put it this way. It's your best three fish for that event. So your three biggest fish are the pictures you show the judges. Um, and those are the, and that total inches of your, of your three fish is what you get put down at a weigh-in. So like, uh, we'll put it for instance, as the example, um, the 29th, when we fished Lake Wiley, my three biggest fish was 42 inches, 34 and three quarter, and then 22 inches. Cause my last fish kind of fell off there, but, uh, but those three fish come up to a total you know, your total inches, and that's how you get judged as your total of your best three. And what that does is it, you're taking a picture, you know, you're thinking that fish is out of the water five, six minutes at the most. Yeah. So it's less stress on the fish. You're not having to haul it and transport it around. You're not worried about any of that. And it's still, and you're still getting credit 
for a quality fish. And what does the judge do? What do you look for when you get that picture? What, how does, how does that whole process work? Cause that's going to be the first thing that the a lot of you know, naysayers are going to say is, well, we don't know an exact weight or there's room for error. What are you looking for as a judge on that? The reason we have specific boards for it is because we know that all those boards are the same length. Um, we only use certain, certain boards and they all are pre-approved before the event. It's like, I think it's three, four boards total that I allow. And those boards are all designed. They're all, you know, right on the nose. So as a judge, what you're looking for is they have a fence on the end. So the nose of the fish will actually lay against that fence. And what I recommend is putting a sticker or a black X, something to where they can, you know, they can say, hey, this fish is not touching the fence or this fish is touching the fence. So the nose of the fish will lay on the fence and then the tail will fall on the final, you know, whatever inch length that it's on. So if it's a 32 inch fish, you want the nose of that 32 right against the edge of the board. You want the tail of that fish to lie and you can pinch it. If you think it's going to help you, you are allowed to pinch it, but your hand cannot block the end numbers. You know, if gotcha. your hand, your hand has to be, the fish's left eye has to be up on the bump board. That's one of our big rules on like blues and channels. We want to see the left eye of the fish. So that way we can, and laying a blue or something on its side, you get a better reading of the fish anyway. You're going to get the overall length, not the belly length. Cause you know, you, you've seen it before you catch a 10 pound fish, the belly's huge. And it, when you lay it on its belly, it's shorter than what it is if you lay it on its side. Yeah. And yeah. the only, the only exception to that is with flatheads with the board design that's out there. Flatheads just do not lay on their side very well. <laughs> yeah. It, I put that was what my 42 inch fish was and you might lose a quarter of an inch with a flathead on his belly but it is very very unlikely um so what the judge is looking for they need that identifier in the picture if the identifier is not there we can't physically and i know the with the app and you know the technology and stuff we can look at what time that was caught but as a competitive standpoint we want to see that identifier to prove that that fish was caught that day. That's gotcha. the number one sign that that fish was caught that day. So the identifier in the fish has to be in the picture. Um, I reinforce don't strap the fish down. Some guys have in the past allowed you to put like a rubber, like a band or something to hold the fish on the board. I push not to do that. One, for the safety of the fish. Two, you, you really shouldn't have to. I mean, most of the fish go pretty dormant once you get them laid down they will lose it and you know if they're a little green and you try to throw them on the board in a hurry they will you know it's just like putting one on the deck of a boat they're gonna go a little mad now when you say these boards just so people know this isn't my homemade ruler that i make are these are i assume are made by particular companies you know and you have some that are readily accepted is that how that works yeah so the I'll just go with the primary boards we use. So the primary boards we use is Muskie Bumper, which is a company that was originally designed for uh, Krill Limits for Muskie. They make a big, long, wide board, and, you know, they're made right there. They're not homemade boards. I don't allow homemade boards just for the simple fact that if you really wanted to, you can edit a homemade board. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and, and I'm not saying that guys can't do that now, but, 
you know, we are real keen on, we like, we count the inches, we count the inch marks. We look for any, like anything that doesn't look normal on the board. Ab- abnormality. That's, that's a big what I'm old trying tough to word to say. It seemed like. That, uh, that's a hard word for a catfishman, man. Come on now. Exactly. Oh yeah. I was sitting here having it pronounced into my ear by somebody. <laughs> I was about to now. Google it for a second to try to yeah. look it up. Uh, you know, we look for that on the boards and the boards that are made, like we use catchboard too, which also makes the bat mat, uh, the bass bump boards, but they just make them on a smaller scale. They make a folding 40 inch that locks out and they're all made with precise measurements. How, how many disputes happen, uh, as far as arguments over, oh, that fish is that that's not 38 and a half. That's 38. How often does that happen? Uh, on a small scale, live tournaments, not as much. Um, sometimes like I fish some online events too. There's a lot of online events that you can look up and fish. Um, sometimes on some of those live event, live events, you know, you got people nationwide looking at your fish, you're posting them. They're up for the nation to see. And there is times that, you know, there might be a casted shadow or, or something. And somebody's going to, there's always that one guy in the crowd that's going to call it out. Right, um, right. So it does happen from time to time, but as a judge standpoint, you have to be able to look past the shadow, see what's going on. You know, if there is a challenge on the fish, don't just ignore it. You know, that's one of my big things. Never ignore somebody's challenge because right. they might be serious. Like that yeah. fish might not be the length that you're talking about. So we all, what we do, especially in live events, we're running a, uh, it's something new we're doing this year is we're actually running a camcorder attached to a tv so everybody's scoring their fish in is watching everybody's fish as they're being scored so you're seeing what the judge sees right overhead as they score in the fish so see this is this is fascinating to me i i i I just i love i'm gonna say i've in but this is the use of technology to make tournament fishing one better for the fish two to me, and I don't know if anybody's doing it. I, I I have a feeling they are because generally by the time I think of something, somebody else has done it. It's a heck of a marketing platform, an advertising platform, and just platform for advertising. Everybody talks about wanting sponsors for tournaments and getting money into you know the tournaments. And this is a great advertising deal because you can get it out to so many people. You could sit there. I could. I, I assume I could sit, tune in if I knew where to go and watch one of these weigh-ins on oh, the computer. 100%. I mean, 100%. it's just we we do a lot of the weigh-ins and stuff. We do them, you know, via Facebook Live. Um, one thing I am going to look at is why we're doing the judging. I want to do a live judging so that way, you know, maybe somebody that's supporting, you know, a family member or a friend or something like that is watching. He gets to see everything from a different perspective. Um, and as far as like on the fish scale, like this just takes so much stress off the fish. Uh, you know, you're going to get your hero shots. Everybody's got to get a hero shot on a good fish. The time frame of, you know, putting that fish in a live well and just taking a picture on a board, taking a picture over your shoulder or holding it on your lap and then throwing the fish back is just completely different. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I, I think it's very cool. I need to, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to watch some of these things because I think that is a very cool way. I think it's a way to keep people, you know, your armchair fisherman. It may be somebody who's older and can't get out and fish anymore. They can sit there and watch a way in or maybe somebody that's sitting 
up in northern Minnesota and is iced in, maybe sitting in an ice hut fishing, you could actually sit there and watch one of these weigh-ins going on somewhere, which I think is really, really, really cool. How many, I mean, are, I, from what I can tell, these tournaments are going on all over the place. Oh, they're they're nationwide. And the catfishing side of thing has really the last the last three years, the catfishing side has completely just started taking over in the kayak world. Um, you know, bass fishing's kind of been there for a little bit longer. They you know, that and that's fine because that puts another platform. You know, everybody's seen what what worked, what didn't work you know, how this worked, you know, oh, they had a great idea. I can run it. But the catfishing side of thing has just really blown up. How big did the boards go? Cause I'm sitting here thinking I was at the ice bowl tournament uh, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago and I found the 112 pound fish that was released and you know, that's an anomaly. Okay. But it's going to happen. How big are these boards? And I heard you say 48 inches, but you said some of these are for muskies, which I know muskies get really huge. Have you have you seen a fish bigger than the board show up yet? I I have not. Um, a friend of mine has runs a guide service up in North Carolina. A couple months ago, put a hundred what with the measurements come out to be about 130 pounds. Um, but he caught on the Virginia side, so we all know how that goes. Um, wow. These boards fold out to 60 inches. So if if you That's buy a musky. Yeah. If you buy a musky bumper, they're going out to 60 inches. I think the biggest fish I have scored in on a on a musky bumper was 52. Okay. And it was a blue was, it was a blue cat caught out of the Catawba River. I was gonna say if you get one that goes off the board, generally speaking, um there's not gonna be another fish that you're gonna have to worry about deciding which one is bigger. <laughs> that would be the the oddball no. one to come out that that's big. definitely the oddball. Um yeah. And I'm not saying it won't happen. I mean, I, I know some, like, I like there's guys that fish the James and stuff. And, you know, we, Kerr and Gaston both are on our trail series right here in the Carolinas for our, for my trail series. So I just know after seeing these fish come out, I, it's just a bound time to happen that a kayak guy is going to hit a fish that he can't fit on a board. And then I'm going to have to be that guy to be like, oh man, the board stops at 60. So I can only count that fish as a 60 inch. Good fish though. Time for a shameless plug. Tell us about your tournament series, where it is, where it runs, all that kind of stuff. So my tournament series is called Carolina Kayak uh, Catfish Slayers. Uh, we run North and South Carolina water. We're, I I fished on an online trail and nationwide trail long enough to realize that there was a lot of a lot of good cat fishermen here in the Carolinas that didn't want to compete nationwide. As when you fish nationwide tournaments, you run into you know Tennessee River and stuff like that. But Carolina Catfish Slayers is right here in the Carolinas. We have eight lakes on our season this year. We have four in North Carolina, four in South Carolina. We run right here. We do it, and it's local anglers. I'm fine with uh, bordering states that want to come in for now until we get a little bit bigger. Uh, right now, I'm just allowing anglers from bordering states. I'm not trying to, like, you know, neglect somebody that wants to travel from, you know, somewhere else. And if it comes down to that one guy wants to travel that far, we will have a talk about it. And if he really wants to and the guys are cool with it because it's an angler-focused group, we'll, you know, we'll let somebody in if they really want to fish it. Uh, but it's just kayak focus, uh, no gas motors. I know we didn't mention that, but there are kayaks that run gas motors. They run 2.2s. 
Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are guys that run 2.2 motors. Just to let everybody know on kayaks. Wow. Um, so we're, you know, it's paddle pedal gas motor or not gas motor. Pfft, now I got myself. It's paddle pedal electric only. You know, three every event's going to be three fish limit. We run some events at, during the daytime, and when we start getting to them summer months where the catfish bites better at nighttime, we transition over. We are catfishing, but I'm never going to run on a bass schedule. So we run some of the live events at nighttime. So there are going to be events where you might fish eight to 12 hours at nighttime and then come in that morning for a weigh-in. And that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you know, the traditional you know, tournament world is you blast off at seven o'clock, you come back at three o'clock, there's a big gathering, blah, blah, blah. How are kayak tournaments different in that aspect? So with kayaks, there's a lot of things to take in consideration. You know, one, not everybody kayaks as fast as the guy next to you. So I can't be like, hey, blast off is at this time, everybody has to meet at one ramp. So what we do is we open up public ramps on the body of water that we're fishing. Uh, and you can access that public ramp. So with our group, what you do, since we do a live phone weigh-in, what you do is you take a selfie that morning before you launch with the ramp sign that you're launching from. We have a designated, you know, shared director and judge that collects all those. So we know where you launch from if something something were to happen. So we know the last... I assume you do public ramps so that somebody doesn't have private access to like some nice sweet backwater that would be five miles for you to paddle to. Exactly. Uh, it's the public ramp thing is to basically give everybody equal playing field. Uh, as far as what, how you catch fish and how you fish, that's, you know, that's on everybody. I mean, not everybody's equal in that platform, but as far as opening public ramps, you're not stopping you know, you're basically stopping this guy that has family that lives on this lake and they have a ramp that they can launch to a honey hole that they fish regularly. Right. So now if he wants to fish that hole, he has to launch where the same guys are fishing and take the opportunity for somebody to see him go that way if they launch from that ramp. And, you know, we do the 100, I think it's like 150 yard rule. You, Unless you're in agreement, you know, you have to be within 150 yards of the other kayak. And that just helps for people from cutting other anglers off. Very, but, very cool. I love the use of technology in all of this. Y'all have so many things from the identifiers to the way you, you know, show where you're at, make sure you're at a legitimate ramp, all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that is well, really, really cool stuff. We live, what are, we, live in a, we live in an age of technology. So why absolutely. not why not use an aid that you have to your advantage? And and that's my big thing is you know there's a lot of old school guys that you know you know and I'm a I can I'm a young guy but I consider myself an old school angler because I was around when stuff was still coming around and I was in that scene as a young guy fishing with old guys and like I remember what it was like. But we live in an age of technology. Why not use it to your advantage to better something for everybody? The thing that I see, I've always said that, well, I hadn't always said it, I only said it after I'd fished regular catfish tournaments, you know, boat tournaments for a while, is that a lot of today's tournaments are, it comes down to money. People want money. It, it, I, it's legalized gambling is basically what it is. <laughs> Have kayak tournaments turned into that? Uh, I mean, is there uh, a lot of money being paid out, or is it still kind of a fruit jar 
tournament kind of mentality right now? This is a hard one. Um, yes, the money hungry thing is out there. It, it really is. And I won't say that I was that guy at one point in time because you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you want you want the the best that you can get out of the event. Um, yes, there is still that money hungry uh, uh, quality out of guys, but I think you know on a small scale where we're at, it's it's the playing field that changes guys from that money hungry to you know anybody's got a chance. Uh, I know some guys personally over the years that, you know, they only fished the events where there was the most anglers. If you had an option to fish a slot or, you know, a trophy on an online thing, most of the guys would go to wherever there was the most amount of anglers and they knew they was in a better water than some other anglers. They would take, they would take the money side of things. to basically make it worth their while. And, you know, that's not calling out any of them guys that did it. Like I understand like you, over a period of time, you're going to fish so many events, you're going to need something back. Uh, with these events, you know, it's pretty decent payout. I think at $50 buy-ins with a $10 big fish, you know, you, you know, you're looking around, what, 250 bucks for five guys. So, I mean, somebody, whoever, you know, you have a chance to come get you back. And we have a lot of companies that, like with my platform with the Carolina Catfish Slayers, we have a lot of companies that are actually donating product too and we do a raffle prize table so at the end of each event any angler that fished the event and made it and come to weigh-ins you know you didn't skunk out and just go home if you come to weigh-ins even if you didn't catch fish you still have an opportunity to take something home Um, be it a couple packs of hooks uh, we have wheel carts we give away um, some rods we give away from time to time uh, reels tons of hooks you know um I'm good friends with uh, drifting sticks with clay down here for drifting sticks. So we always have drifting sticks on the table. Uh, I think we have a couple new companies coming in this year and we, we raffle them prizes off to the anglers that fish the event. So even if you had a bad day on the water, you still get that little bit of smirk and, you know, confidence level built back up when you get to take something home. And, and that's a big thing for me. Yep. Yep. Now it gives you something. You can at least walk out of there with, you know, with something. How, big are the biggest tournaments what i mean there's you know in the bass world there's the flw and you know uh where is it in the kayak world has it hit a big super bowl level tournament is that happened yet because if it hasn't i know it's going to i can just tell by the way technology is being played here how big is the big end on this right now there was a group for a couple years um, if you qualified to fit and they had a national championship kind of fish off actually, um, 2019, I fished it, uh, with, uh, Justin Johnson and right here on Santee and it, it wasn't a huge turnout of guys that actually ended up showing up, but like the playing field was pretty big. And then the, the following year we fished Wheeler and Wilson, and I think there was like 20 guys on the schedule. So it's slowly coming up. But you just got to have the right platform for it. Uh, and I think that's where some of the groups come up. They come in strong. They come in hard. You know, there's a lot of offers on the table. And it, it it's getting there. It just hadn't quite got there in the catfish realm yet. Because I think one of our biggest things with kayak catfishing and being a kayak angler is you still kind of get looked look down on. Like, not in like a bad way, but it's like, oh, you know, 
there's no money to be made. The more people that show up, the more money, the bigger events we can do. Like um, next season, if we continue to grow, like we're growing right here in the Carolinas, you know, we average 20 to 30 anglers in event by next season. I plan on doing like a points race and then fish the best anglers against each other to put a big, you know, end of the season event on to where you're fishing for big money. And it's there. It's starting to get there in the kayak realm. It just hasn't quite made it yet on the catfish side. Now you go to the bass mm-hmm. side, some of these events you're you're fishing against 200, 300 guys. Um, I know the really? Hobie event that was the Hobie event on Santee. Uh, I think it was last month. They did a Hobie bass event on Santee. There was 200. Their cap was 200 anglers. They cut their cap off like I think like two days before amazing that is unreal that's a lot of plastic on one body of water (laughs) yeah it is that is unreal but the Uh, catfish side's getting there i think a a lot of it is you know you know it's like anything when it starts out uh it's starting to grow we're starting to get new faces the kayak anglers are getting younger uh the older guys are still trying to get over them old ways and you know we're we're getting there, and it's just a growing thing, and that's why I've been I've been proud to be a part of it. I, I fish so many different kayak groups that have started cat, catfish side of things. You know I support a lot of groups. There's a group in Ohio I fit I, I fish some of their events to support them, and they do nationwide month long stuff. And you know there's it's getting there. It's you know it's just getting over that first step of being a growing sport. You know because you think about it, you're You've been catfishing a long time. It's easier to just hook up to a boat, go out. You can take a nap, cook a burger on a boat, whatever you want. On a kayak, it's a little bit different. Not to poo-poo us older guys, but is this more of a young man's game? I'm sure there are older guys out there that are paddling around 70, 80 years old. But for the most part, there is a physicality to it to a certain aspect even if it's as simple as getting the kayak into the water and everything else is it mostly a younger man's game the the younger generation is definitely definitely taking the you know the catfish industry by storm um and i think a lot of it comes down to is that that younger age you know you're you're a lot more able to do things you know you're not struggling as bad and stuff but there are guys out there uh we have a couple you know older guys in our group that fish um one of the guys he's like in his 50s and he keeps pace for pace for me on the water and makes me feel like i am just really out of shape it's really appealing for somebody young because financially the commitment is nowhere near as big as going out and buying a you know seventy thousand dollar sea arc boat or you know something like that you can get into this get on a boat go fishing and compete in a tournament if if you don't go crazy for probably three thousand bucks you can go out and have fun and compete and be on the water look and and that's one thing i try to push a lot like a lot of guys i've talked to a lot of guys over the years that's tried to get in even some guys that's coming in now and they're like you know we just don't compete on the same level as the guys that's out there i said look when i started out and I really started kayak fishing. You know, two of my PBs that come out of a kayak, I didn't have a sonar. I was in a $400 sit-in boat that I really didn't know what to do with the fish once I hooked it. You know, it, it you don't have to go out and spend 10 grand to get you a kayak set up right off the bat. You know, it, it's like, it's like, you know, same thing with boat world. You know, 
you don't have to go out and buy a seventy thousand dollar boat to be good, you know, to get yourself into fishing. You can go buy, a, you know, a flat bottom little John boat or something out there, and you know, set it up for the style you fish and whatever. But as you evolve as an angler, yes, that growth comes, and the more money you're going to spend on it, the better you get. The more money you're going to spend. You start learning lakes and rivers and stuff. You know, I'm a big river fisherman. I love river fishing, but there's a lot of times that I've been out there river fishing and catching, you know, 30, 40 pound cats in a sitting kayak that I have just been super uncomfortable of trying to land a cat, a cat in a kayak. And, you know, one thing I always, you know, don't worry about what, what this guy over here is fishing with. You know, that's one of my big things. And, and that's what I try to teach some of the guys that's coming into the sport now. It's like, yes, you can go out dump 10 grand on your setup right off the bat, but you might not catch a catfish. Yeah. Get yourself in there first. What's the best way for them to, I don't know, I would say get into it. Are there some good Facebook groups, online groups? Are there kayaking, fishing clubs? What's the best way for somebody to wet their feet in this to see if it's for them? Uh, there's a, there's a good bit of them out there that's starting to come up now. Um, you know, you can look up Carolina catfish slayers. Uh, we share a lot of good information and it's not only for just the tournament trail. Uh, we share a lot of good information on there. Um, you can follow along with me. You can message me with any questions, Jesse O'Neill and South Carolina. There's a bunch of Jesse O'Neill's out there. Just look for the guy with catfish in his pictures. Um, and you guys can pm me too if you want to and i can put y'all in touch or anything yeah you can get a hold of Dieter and uh um like my my personal pages that i run team cat nippers i have team cat nippers on instagram facebook uh tiktok now which i never thought i'd get into (laughs) and there's some old videos on youtube (laughs) i got a tiktok account and uh, there's some old videos on YouTube if you really want to look them up. We haven't been on YouTube in a while. Uh, it's just been we, uh, me and the guy that run the YouTube page have both been working different jobs. Um, online kayak, uh, online kayak, or online catfishing. Uh, there are uh, kayak Mike out of Ohio runs that. Uh, he has kayak bank and boat tournaments that he runs online, the same way we run the kayak tournaments. So very cool. There, there's a lot of good, uh, there's a lot of good platforms out there, you know, and if you're really interested in learning kayak catfishing, you know, there's always Justin Johnson on YouTube. You know, good old kayak catfish, baby. Good old kayak catfish, man. I've had opportunity to fish against him and meet him a few times in person. He's a great guy and he's pretty patient. So that's always a great thing. And like I said, I'm, my message board is always open. You know, I, if somebody's really interested and wants to talk to me, I'm hundred percent fine with answering any questions that you might have. Uh, it, it doesn't bother me. And I know we talk mainly about catfish, but I assume they have kayak fishing tournaments probably for every species of fish out there. PD kayak anglers. It's uh, based out of South Carolina. Every month is a different species. Oh, wow. They do a, they do a special that's, event. They do a special event cold right there. And it's freshwater and saltwater. So that's that's pretty cool. And there's uh, Queen City bass fishing. You know, uh, dude lives right in uh, South Carolina, and he runs a huge bass fishing group. They they average like 100 and some anglers an event. And he is he has great content on his on his Facebook page and stuff for Queen City. If you're into bass fishing, you know, it's a great 
he fishes a lot of north it's all pretty much north carolina and south carolina lakes 12 months out of the year well it sounds like this is not like i remember when i started fishing catfish tournaments eons ago and there was some little ones it was almost like these little you know hidden groups and there was no facebook there was an internet but stuff was nobody had a website you had to know somebody to know somebody to figure out when this is going on this is the age of technology you guys are definitely on the cutting edge tip of the spear with technology i think anybody uh that knows what google is can probably find something in their area some type of group or something so oh yeah and there's there's so many small grassroots grassroots branches out there that's starting to come up um there's something i'm sure there's something in there like you got there's there's i know of a texas chapter that does a texas kayak fishing um there's some nebraska anglers out there like i said i know some guys out that way you know there's a lot of ohio kentucky tennessee there's a lot of groups around that area um you know the technology has just come so far and it's such a great aid for us trying to grow as the sport for not only just catfishing in general but kayaking i mean the kayaking market out there is just so phenomenal and there's so many facebook groups and youtube groups and stuff that just focus on on kayaking and it nobody ever you know you're too old you're too young it's nothing like that our cutoff is 18 but if you're under 18 as long as you fish with an adult we let you in there you go that is awesome man that is awesome well, I'm going to wrap it up with that. I'm not going to keep you any longer. This has been a, this, this was way cooler than I even imagined. I knew the tournament thing, the way y'all did it was going to be interesting, but everything with the integration of technology, I just feel like, man, there's, there's a lot to be learned from a lot of people out there or from other tournaments out there on what y'all are doing in that whole world. So again, thank you for being on, man. Oh, no problem at all. Well, there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, That was a fun one. Uh, It's always fun for me to talk to these people uh, that are into something that I'm not into. Uh, We share the common bond of fishing, uh, tournament fishing, fishing for catfish. Uh, but we do it a little differently. And obviously, they're doing something that is different than what I'm used to. But they're also doing something that they're doing it right. They're doing it very good. They're doing it. And the, like I said in the beginning, I think the tournament, catfish tournament world can learn from what they're doing. And I think if they want to evolve, this is the way to go. So hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, we'll try to catch out on the water. <laughs>